Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark out for a while. Hello and welcome to the dark forest. I'm Jackie Cation. I'm your host of the Dork Forest. Jackie Cation. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. FamilyPetAncestry.com was purchased by me because it made me laugh. I laughed, you guys. And it just points to JackieCation.com. Everything is available on JackieCation.com or DorkForest.com. The Dork Forest is a podcast, and it is available on iTunes, AllThingsComedy.com and probably repurposed by any number of other vehicles to put on a device of your uh, choosing. Let's do the credits. The credits. Uh, Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. Mike Rickberg composed and sang the song you just heard, sang with his wife, Sarah. Mike will sing again his words to the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Vilmos fixes the website, JackieCation.com. Jackie, there, if you like the show, there are many ways to support the show, not the least of which, and not unappreciated, word of mouth. Let the, let the people know. You can tag me on Twitter at Jackie Cation and or Facebook. There's a ranger page on Facebook if you want to join and talk to other rangers of the Dork Forest. And you could talk up the show. That'd be a great way to support the show. Very basic way to support the show is there's a PayPal donation button. Knock yourselves out. You may donate hard cash. I have one uh, person who donates via Venmo because she doesn't like PayPal. But I appreciate whatever's happening. You can use the Amazon banner. The Amazon banner is also just a it's available on dorkforest.com or jackiecation.com. It's a little link to Amazon, essentially. It's a portal to Amazon. You order like normal. It doesn't cost you extra. The Dork Forest gets a bit of a kickback. That is a way to support the show that doesn't cost you anything if you order from Amazon. Another way to do it would be to get merch. If you want a Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirt or just the logo Dork Forest t-shirt, my stand-up shirt, the Spooky Reading Girl shirt, those are all available on the store page on JackieCation.com, along with my albums and uh, DVD. You can get all of my albums and DVD as downloadable. iTunes, Amazon, the special, the Horcrux special, this will make an excellent Horcrux special, is available on ComedyFilmNerds.com on their downloadable page. and you can, Or you can get a hard copy of the DVD from JackieCation.com. I have a new album, speaking of which, just came out March 3rd, 2017, to, uh, I did good, you guys. I was on the top of the list on Amazon and, and iTunes, and I never have been, so I'm going to toot my own horn. It is called I Am Not the Hero of This Story. It is available for download from Amazon, from iTunes, and it will be available from hard, co- as a hard copy at the, by the end of the month, um, I'm getting them printed up, and you can, you'll be able to order them in the store from JackieCation.com. If you are in another country besides the United States, well, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, um, you can, and iTunes or Amazon isn't working for you, email me, Jackie at JackieCation.com, and I have a way that you can just buy a $10 download card, and I just send you a picture of it, you download it, and then you PayPal me 10 bucks, and our lives are complete. These episodes are all from the Joko cruise. I went on a cruise uh, with 1,780 nerds. It was a dork forest bonanza. And I recorded six episodes, so I'm using the intro for this for all of them. The Joko cruise is based on a guy named Jonathan Colton, who is a musician and very talented and wonderful. And if you get a chance, it's called the Joko Nerd Cruise. And it was great. And I recorded a live episode, which didn't cost me anything, so I'm just releasing it normal. And then five other episodes. Uh, none of these are, are premium episodes because they didn't cost me anything to make, so I'm just putting them out. There are premium episodes at Bandcamp. The dorkforest.bandcamp.com has probably a dozen premium episodes which were recorded live in front of an audience. Cost me a couple of bucks to make, so I, I charge a couple of bucks to buy them. They are $2 each on the dorkforest.bandcamp.com. There is also a storytelling album there that I put if you, which is $4 and then 17 episodes of the dork forest before it was pre-recorded that I picked out at a, that I did as a 10 year anniversary album. That is free. 
if you wish to listen to 17 old episodes of The Dork Forest, my favorite 17, I think, from those first 215 episodes. Anyway, the only other thing at JackieCation.com that you might like to see is my calendar. When I'm doing stand-up, where I'm doing stand-up, it is at JackieCation.com. It is updated all the time. You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all the things. Anyway, longest intro ever. Let's get into it because it's awesome. Yay, good work. Good work with the applauding. Joko Cruz, here we are on the ocean. Uh, we are on the ocean, you guys. And uh, I, for one, am, have mixed reviews of the ocean. I'm slightly queasy. The boat is just too big for me to really get it and not big enough for me to not feel it. So, um, hey, so welcome to uh, the Vista, know the crow's nest, 10 forward, and uh, we're here at the Joko Cruise, which is the Joko Nerd Cruise, named after Jonathan Colton, who is a silly, hilarious uh, musician of a person. And uh, I've been enjoying, have you been enjoying his works? Is that why you've all decided to come on a cruise? Strangely, yes. With a, with a name like Joko Cruise, they might be fans. <laughs> they might be fans. That voice uh, you hear is uh, of uh, the wonderful author, Mr. Jonathan uh, Scalzi. Ladies and gentlemen, please applaud. John Scalzi. Hello. Hello, everybody. At John Scalzi on Twitter and all the things and Scalzi.com. I have read Red Shirts. Good. There you go. And I can't wait to read Lock In, which I just heard of. Right. There you go. Other people enjoy that. Oh, good. Oh, that's that's great. Uh, I thank you for the unsolicited five star review. <laughs> it's like Yelp over here. It's all working out. <laughs> it's uh, so the Dork Forest. I usually talk to people about what they love, and um, you told me. Now I, I cornered you right off the bus, and uh, over this in San accurate. Diego, and I was like, "What is it?" And so you were t- we were talking about photography. Yes. And today I mentioned it to someone and they said, he's got a lot of lenses. I saw him today with a lot of lenses. So do you have an old school camera? Well, yeah, I have a DLSR. It's a, it's a single reflex lens and, uh, but it's digital because film, no, just okay. no. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is a Nikon D750, which is a full frame sensor, which means that it's basically the uh, equivalent of a 35 millimeter uh, camera. Okay. And, uh, I don't have a ton of lenses with me. I actually only brought two lenses with me. I brought my multi-purpose, uh, 28 to 300 millimeter lens, which basically means it can zoom in. It can go from, uh, being able to capture just a wide angle of everybody, uh, to zoom in close enough that I can actually see like canyons on the moon, uh, sort of thing. So, and that's my go-to just in general because it can do anything and everything. I also have what's called a prime lens, which means that, uh, it doesn't zoom. You can't move it in or out. And so basically if you want to take a good picture with it, you actually have to get in and frame it. Oh. And that's a, and that's a 50 millimeter lens and it's a 50? Yeah. Okay. 50 millimeter lens and it's a, a 1.8, uh, f-stop which means that it lets in a whole lot of light. Um, so you can get some really great pictures, um, or you can uh, just mess up really badly and it just goes scurry. <laughs> and you end up with a picture, like I, I'll take a picture of somebody's face, and this part of their nose is in focus and everything else is blurry. Uh, and which one say, you know, you can go, oh, well, that's just me being artistic, but it was actually me just screwing up. So, so the, so the zoom lens, so the zoom lens is for just doing everything and making it look easy. Uh, and the prime lens is when I actually want to challenge myself and try to get a good, uh, picture, uh, and basically right up to the limit of my actual competence as a photographer. And how long have you been, uh, interested in photography? I well, mean, it's funny because my interest in photography really started, uh, when, uh, di- it became possible to take decent d- digital photos because before then you would have to work with film and while any like there's lots of photographers who will tell you about the wonders of the film media sure. it's so much work and I am so lazy right <laughs> I mean I'm not going to build a dark room I'm not going to like you know play Get with yeah with the photographs and, and all that sort of stuff and uh, I've seen movies about it it looks yeah, like a lot of work it's a, it is a lot of work and you know uh and so the thing is is so when digital came out i mean i never took photos before uh digital and then digital happened and then i started taking tons and tons of photos because literally you could just take the photo you could immediately look at it and review it and go hey that's something 
uh, that, you know, looks good or, oh, this looks terrible. Uh, and so the, the process flow was a lot easier. So, uh, for many years, I just had a regular camera. And then about, um, eight years ago or so, I decided to splurge. Um, I sold a book and I was like, I have a little bit of money coming in. Sure. Um, so I went and bought, uh, like I said, a DLSR. Um, and then I started taking pictures with it, and two things happened. One, I immediately the pictures looked immediately better because they would because you have this big old lens and you have a very big sensor. I mean, most of the most of the cameras, like the camera in yeah. your phone, um, the sensor of it is this little tiny dinky thing. Um, so it doesn't matter how many megapixels it has; right. it's just got such a small amount of space to imprint the image that it's always going to look kind of funky and grainy. Whereas if the the sensors in the these DLSRs are actually you know uh, you know the size of a postage stamp or larger. There's a lot of space for them to work in, and so immediately I was like, "Damn, that looks great." The other thing is is that the lenses uh, have very specific planes of focus, so you get that really nice like some I like take a picture of this fellow right here, and everything behind him would be beautifully fuzzed out. So your focus is always on that person rather than everything being in focus and your eye just going where it does it do that automatically it does it automatically i mean this the the cameras that exist today are really much uh they give you the opportunity to uh do a lot of fiddling if you want to fiddle so that's great because then you can go you know at at your own pace but otherwise you can and you can just literally point and shoot I, i hear someone pointing and shooting right now uh, as a matter of fact, and, and, it, and you kind of press down the button halfway and it focuses and, and, and you go on. And what I found is that for a lot of day-to-day work, we're actually just letting the camera do all the work um, works out uh, just great. And then what I do um, is uh, do a lot of post-production. Okay, so I'm going to back up because of the what you were saying about the postage stamp. And so what you're saying is inside my iPhone, yes. which is a, a, a relatively fancy iPhone. Yeah, um, no, it's a very nice iPhone. It's a very nice case. Uh, this case is a uh, a life-proof. I had a beautiful case that made it look like I was carrying a tiny Bible around for sure. a while. Mm-hmm. And um, I dropped it a week after I bought this phone and broke the screen. The so book of then, jobs. Yeah, the book of jobs. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you do what? not judge that job. That is a good what? joke. That no, was in the on. moment, you guys. You, you just... That is a Heinlein-level joke, Thank you guys. Thank you, you know. I know, where my, I know my true fan here. That's that's right. All right, anyway, Okay, so uh, so I bought this thing, which was, I guess, made by either a Navy SEAL or a firefighter. Right. And I will be a smear on the sidewalk, and this phone will still continue to exist. Sure. So, but I take pictures with it, and you said that the... Is it... It's not the size of the... It's not like the... the the it's, picture, the yeah, the it's dot. not the what, what the what the what the new iPhones and the new Androids and stuff like that. They will tell you, oh, we have uh, twelve megapixels or eighteen megapixels or twenty-four megapixels and all this sort of stuff. And what that means is the size of the the photo is relatively large in terms of how many pixels it has. Um, but in many ways, it's not about the the uh, how how many pixels are recorded. It is about uh, you know, the size of the sensor and the, and, and the quality of the lenses. Okay. Now you can get, you know, don't get me wrong, cause I take a lot of pictures with my phone because it's that old saying of the best camera is the one that you have with you. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I take a lot of pictures, uh, with the, with the, with the phone and the phone ca- uh, pictures are perfectly fine. But they're the equivalent of, you know, 40 or 50 years ago, going and taking pictures with the Instamatic camera right. instead of with a Nikon or with a Canon or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, so the, so the, the, the little, uh, the sensor, the sensor itself is basically the size of the end of this pen, right? Okay. Not this end. That would be Not too small. Not the pointy end, but, but the, the yeah, but the clicky end. Um, whereas, like I said, the, um, the sensor in the in the DLSR is much larger. So, and also the lenses, because the lenses are can be anywhere like this big around, right? Bless. So, so much more light uh, comes in, right? Uh, that that quite honestly, um, you know, you just get a lot better picture. Not only better pictures, but you also get better options. And now here's another thing, which is again to to geek out. Most of the time, when you're taking pictures with your phones, um, it records to a format that's called uh, JPEG. JPEG. Right? And uh, and that's perfectly fine uh, for for most pictures. Now, when you take a picture with a DLSR, it takes a, a picture in a, in a raw format. And what that allows you to do is a lot more manipulation of uh, the data. Okay. So, so where you can so what's uh, the extension? Uh, it's uh, 
raw or NEF oh, or okay. you know, so oh, there's like actually it, it might be a raw. Yeah, so it's a lot of it depends on like I think Nikon has a proprietary NEF, but it's a raw file format. And what that means is so like for example, I'll take a picture uh, and I if I were to take a picture of what we have now, I can't see. I mean, it's going to be pretty dark because there's a lot of. It's not a very well lit yeah, place. Yeah, we're lit. They aren't. Right. But if I go into Photoshop, I can manipulate it so the the information is there. Uh, and so I draw out the – or I tone down the shadows and so everybody would all of a sudden pop out. Now, the, there are gives or takes to this because it's low light. When I draw everybody out and make them more visible, they're going to be grainy because yeah. the amount of light was less – but these are the trade-offs that, that you make. But you have a lot more flexibility because of that format than you do with JPEG. Now, phones, there are some phones that do raw format as well. Um, but you, then you're up against again, another thing, which is there's only so much, uh, memory you have on your phone. So. Oh, cause uh, the files are a lot bigger? Cause the files are, are huge. I mean, a regular JPEG, if it's about, uh, like my, f- uh, camera shoots at 6,000 by 4,000 pixels, right? Wow. So a, a JPEG of that is like 25 megabytes or something like that. The raw file is three to five times larger depending on how much information is in there. Okay. So you can run out of uh, space relatively quickly um, just shooting raw uh, on your phone. So most people are going to do JPEGs anyway. Right. Yeah. And and they and they all print out like if if when I I haven't printed a a photograph in a, in, I don't know, a decade. Years, I don't know. right? Yeah, years it's been. But if I were to, I could, I could go to Walgreens with, with, um, with a CD sure. that I had burned. Remember those? And then, or I could take a, a card. This is just a, this is a walk down memory lane, it's isn't so it? It's so beautiful, isn't it? And, uh, <laughs> the, uh, but we could, we could do this and, and they would be fine, right? Oh, yeah, like, no, these like are a regular. Yeah, like I said, if any picture you take with your phone, um, is generally going to be perfectly good. You so know, if I printed it, would it look sort of like a photo from the 80s or the 60s or the? Well, I mean, uh, in the terms of, uh, well, no, I mean. Like a 35 millimeter? Or? You know, with the, with the, with the DLSR, it would look exactly like, uh, a photo from those times. Now, there'll be some people who'll be like, well, I can tell the difference between film and digital. <laughs> you see, the thing with about film is that it's, it's about the grain of the silver and, um, and, 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 okay. and, Bless their hearts, you know. Okay. It's like yes. that's you know, and bec- and there are people who will r- make the argument that they really can differentiate between film and digital, uh, and and that's and they fun. love that difference. Yeah, and and yeah. if and if and if it's really that important to you, and if you're really that high end, then you should do film and you should do go do all that work because that's going to give you joy. For the average person uh, taking a, a picture, or even you know most of the professionals who are taking pictures with digital, uh, it's going to be uh, pretty much exactly the same. So you print it out, it's gonna look great. Almost all the photos that you see anywhere these days, uh, are done digitally. Um, and pretty basic digital, right? Well, I mean, the whole point of it is, is like, for example, it really is sort of like photojournalism, right? Yeah. You don't want to have to, uh, wait 12 hours or however long it takes to develop the film. You immediately, everybody who's doing, uh, photojournalism in any serious way, um, aside from portraiture or something like that, uh, but like actual photojournalism out in the world is shooting digital. One, because it's so much easier, and second of all, because you can send it so much quicker. Right, like the tabloidy people, they're just, they're just, is that photojournalism or is that photo? Well, I mean, that's yellow you know, journalism. That's potato, potato. That, but what I mean by photojournalism is literally like doing stuff for, I mean, any, anything ranging from entertainment, paparazzi like stuff all the way over to, you know, sports journalism or any of that sort of stuff. Almost everybody works in digital. Uh, and, and by and large, uh, the quality of the photography has, has not decreased. Now, one of the things that we have to be very careful about um, when we're talking about photojournalism as opposed to, you know, people just taking pictures is because they're digital files and because there's so much processing that goes on in software, um, there's a huge opportunity to photo, you know, manipulate the photos, which is actually one of the reasons why some uh, uh, news organizations actually want the photos in JPEG rather than RAW because it is much harder to uh, oh. it's much harder to manipulate photos in JPEG because of artifacting and because of lots of other things, um, uh, and it's much easier to tell if they've been messed with right. than if it's in if it's in RAW because they're simpler. 
Yeah. So, so if you fiddle with them, it's more glaring. Yeah. It's, okay. That's exactly right. Uh, which I thought was really, which I thought was that's really interesting. That, yeah. that, that photojournalism to some sort of sense is it's more, uh, faithful to the truth, uh, if the photo is not as, uh, high definition. And that's, right. that's kind of a mind blower. It's like, welcome to the 21st century. Yeah. That's, that's okay. That is crazy. Cause I know that there's, there's also now high definition. Which is, uh, let's get in close and check out people's pores. Well, no, that's, that's actually an entirely different thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, photography, uh, is much more high def than a high definition television. Okay. So like my camera shoots, like I said, at 6,000 by 4,000. My 4K TV is, um, basically 2,000 by 3,800. Okay. Uh, so, so it's less. So it's, yeah. So the TV is actually less. Um, and, uh, so most high-end cameras, uh, or even your phone can take pictures, um, that are effectively at a re- resolution that's higher than your 4K TV. Now there's other things that are going on, but the, but the high depth just simply means for the, for the TV that, um, it just looks more naturalistic. But, um, but the thing about that is most of the time where you're watching a TV anyway, you're watching it at a distance, yeah. there's an effective limit of what your eye is going to be able to resolve anyway. Like everybody who's got a 4K TV, and I'm, I have a 4K TV, right? Because I'm stupid and I paid a lot of money because I wanted to feel good about myself as a human being. Um, Quick question. Yeah. 4K TV. I have a flat screen. Tel- I bought a television for, what well, do you mean by 4K? Well, was it $4,000? What happened? I'll be over here not knowing things. Yeah, okay. So okay. you know about high def. Yes. You know, okay, so a high definition TV means it's 180 uh, yeah, pixels up, 1920 across. Got it. Uh, the 4Ks uh, are effectively four times the resolution. So it's oh. twice down, twice over. Um, and so that that is, uh, like I said, four times the number of, of pixels. The thing is, is like I said, um, your eye can only resolve so much. Yeah. Um, so if you have a, if you're watching a 4K TV at 20 feet, um, it's effectively the same as you know watching a 10K or a 1K one slightly closer because your eye can't differentiate oh. between the pixels anyway. Yeah. So there's no real rush for you to get a better TV if you already have a 1080p. Yes. You're, you're perfectly fine. Um, on the other hand, you know, if you can get it uh, and you like it, like we got a, my, we redid an entire wall in our house. Okay. Um, and so when we redid the entire wall, I'm like, I'm going to get myself a stupid TV. Right. right? I mean like a stupidly expensive TV because then I'm not going to change that TV out for 10 years. Right. Whatever. And so we got this uh, LG uh, TV that is 65 inches across, 4K. It is literally, the, uh, the TV is literally thinner than this phone. Right? Yeah. And I just, and when they, when they unpacked it, it was hysterical because, you know, we paid for them to deliver it and we paid for them to set it up because I knew if I touched it, it would explode. Right. right. And then I'd be out. But so, so they're taking the TV out and they're looking at it and they're like, we literally don't know what to do with this. And I'm like, I know, but which is your... why you are doing it and not me, because the Perfect. moment I touch that thing, and so we managed to get it mounted up on the wall and everything else like you that. You didn't get one of those arm things. Did oh, you? and so I can... totally got one of oh, those yeah, arms. Yeah, so you it can... pulls out, and you know, I actually, and we have because we put it in this whole new wall unit. Uh, all the, f- uh, uh, you know, all the uh, HDMI cables actually go back into the wall and out. And and and, it, and and I and I put all the HDMI cables in, so I never have to touch the TV. I just plug them in down there at the bottom. I literally, my plan is to never touch the TV. Right. Ever touch the TV? Because, <laughs> like I said, the moment I touch that TV, it's going to go. Right. And just no longer work. My mother's-in-law got uh, one of those. Yeah, Andy has two mommies. Okay. The uh, Rangers of the Dork Force know this. Anyway, so uh, the deal is this, though, is they are uh, essentially uh, two ladies who live in the Central Valley of California and have a 65-inch television, sure. which we watched uh, Winter Soldier, uh, yeah, the yeah. Captain America movie, and it was like looking out the window oh, yeah. to... An action scene. I right. was like, "Oh my God! Look, it's Steve Rogers." Yeah, uh, and uh, there's a there's a car driving right towards him. Right, and um, but it, the quality of that is exceptional. I mean, ours oh, sure. is. We bought it probably ten years ago, twelve years ago, um, and 
No, it would have been, yeah, it would have been, it's a great story. Uh, we got it 10 years ago. I said, uh, Andy said, would you like, what would you like as an engagement ring? And I said, I would like a flat screen television because, uh, I'm going to break or lose an engagement ring. And I will never break or lose a television because I refuse to touch it because right. it will explode. Right. And he got me both because he's a decent human being and, uh, adorable. Do okay. you still have your ring? I do, but I broke it almost immediately and now it is in a box. This is my third Wedding, wedding ring. ring. Right. Married to the same woman. Third wedding you just ring. just keep losing them? Yeah, no. The first time I lost it, I was out in the and out in the yard playing with my kid. And this is like, you know, like 15 years ago. And it was cold and it slipped off. So my wife gets me one uh, for Christmas. Literally 12 hours later, I've lost it again. Again, playing out in the snow with my with my daughter. And then for like two years, I didn't wear a wedding ring because it's three strikes and you're out, right? <laughs> but she got me this one. She sized it down a half... Oh, there you go. Yeah, that was it. And I won't show it to you because there's no point because this is a podcast. But there's an inscription on the inside of this ring that says, the next one is a tattoo. (laughs) Yes. Nice work. And I've kept this ring for 12 years. Yay. Yay. There you go. Half a size down. That's the big that, thing. That is, that is, that, that, that is was the, the, that was the key. That is, that, and I also do this thing where I'm, you'll see me do this, like. Just uh, to make sure? Yeah, it's still there. <laughs> and I check every five minutes because that way I know somewhere, yeah. Anyway. Right, you're covered. Uh, this, our, the wedding ring, I, is fine. It was the engagement ring which had stones in it and I dropped, they came off. Right. Anyway, uh, cause I'm constantly, I don't know, punching, I'm not punching things, <laughs> but I'm, 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 There's... I'm not a gazelle. Anyway, so, but the wet, the, the, the band itself is actually made of white gold and it's based on a wedding ring for, uh, or a ring from the Sky Mall. That's right, and it was the elven ring that was in the Sky Mall made out of silver, but we had it made out of white gold because we're nerds. Right. Okay, so... The uh, only thing ex- remaining of Sky Mall is that ring. Is this ring, exactly. <laughs> there, there's and, some tragedy right there. <laughs> I know, I love Sky Mall. Okay, but... Oh, poor no. Alfred Sky Mall. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, so you, um, so you, you did mention... so. You didn't want to learn how to develop film and you didn't want to learn how to deal with the chemicals and the children sure. thing, but you did decide to learn how to do Photoshop. Right. Well, I which mean, is its own project, I it, think. It's to some extent. It's, it's definitely its own project, but the thing is, is of course, um, it's like, where does your nerddom go? And I have just yeah. sufficient amount of computer skill nerddom, um, that that wasn't a problem for me. And, uh, um, and I, I, and I should say that, I've learned Photoshop heuristically, which just means I spend a lot of time playing with it and figuring, oh, wow, I didn't know you could do this. I wish I had known this six years ago. All my photos <laughs> would have been so much better, right. right? As opposed to actually getting the Photoshop book, you know, and going through it. Right. Uh, and I same, same thing I do with, with, with my cameras. I just fiddle with them and discover what they can do. Okay. They have a manual and the manual is literally this thick. It's like, you know. Right. You could go and take a class and yeah. learn how to do it and that would be. I a could pain do it, but, but, that, but that's yeah. for quitters. And, uh, <laughs> um, so, I loved how you described though, when I asked you if you did do Photoshop, you, you were talking about how the I, purpose of it. I am totally, I, there are a lot of, uh, people who are like, well, I never really use Photoshop at all because I don't really think unfiltered. That, yeah, it's you. If you you can't figure out how to do it in camera, then you're not really doing it at all. And those people are idiots. And I will tell you why. <laughs> fundamentally, fundamentally, your eye and the camera sensor do not see the world the same way. They just don't. Like for example, uh, and I've used this example on my website. You know, it's like I will take a picture. Uh, I'll go out to a, a nearby nature preserve that we have, Stillwater Prairie uh, Reserve, and I will take a picture of the landscape and the sky and everything else. And my eye sees everything that's there. You know, I see the, the grass in front of me. I see the field of, you know, uh, long grass behind it that's, you know, by the lake and all that sort of stuff. And I see the sky and all that sort of stuff. But I take a picture of take a picture of it and everything in the front is completely blacked out because the the lens and the sensor are just completely overwhelmed by uh the color of the sky and all that sort of stuff now if i go into photoshop and i play with the shadows and i play with everything else i can bring out the you know you can recreate what you actually saw i can recreate saw. what i actually saw so in terms of naturalism um part of the part of the idea of photoshop is to actually bring it closer or more in line to what it was that I actually saw 
when I, Which I is picked sort up of, China. It's kind of the best defense of Photoshop that I've ever, I mean, it makes more sense. Right. That that's why you're doing it. You're not doing it so that you're like, no, the world is purple or, I mean, which right. I think is its own, that's a different art thing. If you're making it, Right. If if you're making something that is there's a unicorn flying by, that's great. Oh sure. But it's uh but if you are try- if you're like, Oh, I saw the way the shadows made the trees super green right. and it lightened the sky, but the sky came out darker right. and, and the green wasn't didn't pop as much. Yeah. And you can reverse it. And the other thing is is that to to follow up on something you just said, I mean there are times where I will take a picture and I'll decide that I don't want it to be naturalistic, that I want to make it like a high contrast black and white or or something like that. Or I want to Photoshop out a zit that I got despite the fact that I'm forty eight fucking years old. <laughs> Human biology, why? Right. I mean, simple fact of the matter is it's like uh, here's my rule about like because I think there's a philosophical argument of like, should you Photoshop out zits or other stuff like that? And my feeling about this and I have a very strong feeling about this is when I take a picture of someone, the things you keep are the natural and persistent features of their face. So uh, temporary and emergent things like zits. Right, or a weird hair. Or a weird hair. Photoshop that shit out. You know, just get rid of it because that person's face. What about alcohol poisoning? What about like uh, long-term alcohol oh, poisoning? Like, so yeah, like that's rosacea. Sort of, yeah, yeah, rosacea. No, and that's, that's actually a perfectly. That's good thing. part of the personality of the human. Well, yeah, and there, but there's also a yes or no to that. Like, so for example, I mean, one of the reasons why long after the advent of color film, uh, people still took glamour shots and headshots, headshots, sure, in black and white, is it evens out your skin tones. It really does. Um, and so you can go the other way. One of my favorite things to do in Photoshop <laughs> is take a picture of myself and take the raw thing and go to the sliders and take red and orange and just yank them all the way over here. And I look like this blotchy, horrible, zombie, radiation poisoning victim. And That's I, good times. And I put it up and I'm like, my next Tinder photo, <laughs> right? Because I just want to see, like, you know... I mean, how many left swipes I can get in a row on that. And if someone's right swiping, I need to know why. Why? Why are you on Tinder? I'm not. I'm okay, not. Okay, I'm not. Okay. But I mean, but um, I could be. I assume. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, my, um, have you, have you played at all with Snapchat? Snapchat exists in the realm of social media I don't understand. It is the best toy for just, I mean, I'm hiding on Snapchat, quite honestly, because my, the only people there are my nieces and nephews. Sure. Um, so, but they have, they have a way to swipe and literally, cause I am 51 years old. Hello. Right. And if you swipe, uh, you can shave a good seven to nine years off of that. <laughs> and cause I still look like everybody's aunt, but it doesn't, I mean, there's nothing to be done. Right. And, um, but it just, it evens out the skin tone sure. and it, um, well, yeah. yeah, you have all those, you have all those filters. And I have a, I have this, uh, program which is called Camera Bag. Uh, and it literally generates like hundreds of, uh, various filters. And a lot of times where, you know, when I don't want to have to fiddle with Photoshop, I'll go and use one of these preset filters and people are like, wow, that's really artistic. You did a lot of work on that. I'm like, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> um, so I, I'm a real believer. I mean, obviously if you are, if you are doing photo, photojournalism, right. then you make it as, real to real life as as you can. If I'm doing portraiture of my daughter or my wife or me, you know, or something like that, there'll be, um, then you have, that's when you talk about the artistic choices that you make. Um, and one, having a really good camera to bring that back around gives you more options to what you can do later when you're processing it. Right. And the best defense I've actually heard of any, of sort of just sort of basic Photoshopping, like what you're talking about yeah. in portraiture, is that you want to take a picture of a person sort of on their best day. Right. Yeah. And so if, if someone had done the makeup correctly on a lady mm-hmm. uh, or, or whoever. Well, yeah. yeah. And here's another thing, which is, again, another way that the, the uh, camera lies to you. Or it doesn't lie to you, but is just a completely different thing. What people's face looks like depends on which focal length you shoot them in. So if you shoot them from far away and you zoom in, their face is going to be a lot flatter than if you have a 50 oh. millimeter prime lens and you get in there. So a lot of, so people are like, oh, well, that's just how I look. No, it's not actually how you look. You look, you know, you're, you're a three dimensional, uh, object 
and you are being translated in two-dimensional space. And you know that old adage, the camera adds however many pounds. Ten pounds, yeah. yeah it's absolutely true because you're, you're flattened out. So a lot of, you know, like, for example, if I take a picture of someone with, uh, you know, from a far away because I, I have a particular artistic choice, I don't actually have any problem going in and, you know, slightly, slightly tweaking their face so that it again looks more like, you know, gives it, it would, some depth or something. Well, well that it, it, it is more analog, analogous to what they look like in a three dimensional space. You don't want to go too far with it, obviously, but you don't want to make someone who, like I, you know, again, unless you're doing it artistically, I have a friend of mine who's a writer, um, who is, uh, late fifties, early sixties. Um, and she took a photo and it was a really good photo. I said, would you mind if I kind of play with that? And I, Went in and I used Photoshop and I used this other uh, thing that I have, which is called Portrait Pro, Pro 15, which I mostly use just again to even out skin tones. But it has, uh, it basically does evil magic. Um, and I made her look like she was 30, right? right? And I sent it to her and I was like, how does this compare to what you actually looked like when you were 30? Just out of curiosity. And she, she was like, I was so much not as hot as this picture. <laughs> How did you do this? And can you do all my author photos? <laughs> you know, there was a headshot. There was a headshot of me in uh, Austin, Texas, of Cap City Comedy Club. Right. And it was a headshot from like a dozen years earlier. Right. And it was a it was a great headshot. It was a great portrait. But um, right. I was like, I've sent you like two updated pictures mm-hmm. of me in the last five or six years, and the the manager said. She goes, oh yeah, but this is such a great picture of you. And I was like, yeah, there's a great picture of me as a baby too, but right. people are going to show up and want to see the person that they saw in the photo. Right. So there has to be some sort of. Yeah, you have to, you have to draw a line and say, this is a, um, you, that this is no longer accurate. This is now into the realm of wishful thinking. Right. Like I take pictures of my wife and my wife is gorgeous, um, flat out. Um, but she's also now, you know, in her mid forties. Right. Uh, I could, I could take this picture and make her look like she was 30, uh, or 28 or whatever. Um, but it would be a lie, you know, and the, the object is to make her look like I see her as a 46 year old woman. That you uh, love and that I love beautiful. and that I want yeah. to, I actually want, uh, people to see in the photo what I think of her, but I also want them to be able to actually genuinely recognize her uh, when they meet her from the photos. And I know it works because I've had, she was actually uh, once one of my, one of you, one of you super fans, and this isn't as creepy as it sounds, but it could have been, <laughs> we're walking through like Dallas, it was for uh, Atlanta and uh, someone goes up to her and is like, Christine Scalzi. Oh my God. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So, so it did work. So it did work. And they're like, you look just like your pictures, which was the point. You know, yeah. because she looked in real life, um, what she looked like in the pictures because I did, uh, some processing that made it her look like she sees, like people see her in, in the real life. That's so cool. Yeah. It's, uh, it's what, um, now how, do you have other cameras? I mean, have you well, taken I have, up sort of collecting cameras to some extent? I try to avoid that because yeah. they're even more expensive than flat screen TVs. Oh, there you go. You know, and lenses and lenses because <laughs> lenses are, are super expensive, you know, and that's, that's the, you would think that they might do it on the razor method, which is like, you know, sell you the razor cheap and then, you know, get, uh, the, the, or sell you the, uh, the cartridges are expensive, but no, it's just all expensive. The body is expensive and the lenses are expensive. Oh, weird. And so you can buy cheap lenses, yeah. you know, or cheaper lenses. Um, and, but what happens is, is that if you're just starting out, you won't notice it, but I'm at that point where I will notice the an- anomalies in the lenses or how it does the, uh, depth of field and like the, like with a prime lens, just the, what the, you know, the bokeh, you know, just the, the, the light effects, you know, in the background. Is that called bokeh? Bokeh, yeah. How do you spell that? B-O-K-E-H. It's a Japanese term. Okay. Uh, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong because it's one of those things that you always see written but never spoken. So somebody tell me, am I pronouncing it correctly? Bokeh? Bokeh, yeah. How about umami? Am I doing that right? Oh, good for me. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. So, anime. <laughs> Um, manga. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, the, the prime lens, it just looks beautiful. Um, and then there are other lenses that are cheaper and you look at them and it's just like, yeah, it doesn't look as good. Right. Once you start getting into that rabbit yeah, once, hole, once, you once, can once, tell. Yeah, exactly. And, th- and this is the thing where I'm actually 
um, to to be obnoxious about it. It's a good thing I'm a, I'm a best selling author because this is <laughs> this is not cheap shit. Right, you know? right. Um, so I do avoid. And, and the other thing is, is that also, uh, you know, uh, quite honestly, the need for a bunch of cameras really is obviated if you know how to do software where you can manipulate the image or you have the built-in filters and all that sort of stuff and and you're willing to spend some time. I mean, some people like, you know, like the the Lomo filter that everybody, you know, uses um literally comes from this really cheap Russian camera um that just was so poorly made that light would leak in uh, and oh. kind of screw with the film. Um, and the thing is, is that then became sort of the trademark of what that uh, camera uh, effect were. And so people would specifically use that camera when they wanted that specific type of, of look and feel. Um, a lot of that stuff, again, 80 to 90% of it, uh, can be done uh, simply through, through software. And that 10% is not going to be noticed uh, by anybody except the real photo snobs, and the real photo snobs are are not the people who are my audience anyway. Right. When I'm taking uh, when I'm taking pictures, my audience is. Do you have an audience? My <laughs> audience is me and right. uh, me and my family, and because I put so much of my uh, photography online, I mean, I showed you the sunset pictures yeah. and stuff like that. Um, the people who come and visit the website and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Because you have a Flickr page too, right? Yeah, the Flickr so page. It's at, at, it's at Scalzi on everything else in Scalzi.com, but the Flickr page is uh, Scalzi. You know, I honestly, I don't know. Just put Scalzi and Flickr and it will take you to it if you go in, into Google. But one of the things that I, that I do, because I live in a part of the country where people like to run down o- Ohio simply because Ohio is Ohio and it lives in the middle of the country and blah, 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 blah. Um, and parts of Ohio are not good. Parts of Ohio are not good. But parts of Ohio are gorgeous. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But where I live, we have spectacular sunsets because oh, from where I live, I can look clear into Indiana. Um, there are no uh, you know mountains or anything blocking me, no uh, tall buildings. Literally, I have a full view um, of of the sunset, and I will literally just go out on my uh, deck and shoot these pictures, and you know, put them into Photoshop and you know, tweak them just a little bit because again, when you do something in RAW, it's it tends to look kind of flat, and then you have to punch it up a little bit. Um, and sometimes I just go, you know what, we're going all the way, uh, <laughs> and just have these uh, beautiful sunsets. And I have I've done enough of that, and my audience on Twitter and on my blog. Are, is sufficiently large. People are like, you know, if you like kickstarted a book of sunsets, I would totally buy that. And I'm like, well, no, that would be work because Kickstarter is work. And I don't right. know. I don't know why anybody thinks it's like some sort of magic ATM. It's like, no, that's, that's more work than I want to do. But, you know, but that's why I put it up on, on Flickr. It's like, if you right. want them, go ahead and download them and, and put them on your, you know, make your own little coffee table book. Just don't sell it. Uh, right. And and pu- publish a, a, a flip book of, of sunsets. Do you, have you ever tried to take them every day and you're like, oh, the seasons? I am. Please do that. Please I, do not do that. Yeah, right, I was please. about to say, uh, that is again, one of those <laughs> things that is not going to happen because <laughs> I'm super lazy. And also at this point, uh, I travel so much. It doesn't make any sense, but I do do like, I usually do like 50 or 60 of them a year where I'm just like, yep. Here's the sunset, and I'll put it up on Twitter, and people are like, "Thank you," because the two things that people really like, um, and again, I, and I'll talk about the the second one real quick, uh, is they love the sunset pictures and they love the pictures of the cats. You know, yes. Yeah, see, thank oh, you. Oh, you have cats? I, oh, I have. Well, not only do I have cats, they have their own. They have their own they have Twitter cats? account. They have their own oh. Twitter account. I thought your cats might have At cats. Scamper beasts. Scamper and, uh, beasts. Scamper beasts. <laughs> because we got them and they were a little cute and they scampered and then called them scamper beasts. And, um, and the thing is, is that they now have, uh, 9,400 followers. All right. And this is super useful, man. Cause what I do is I take a picture a day of, of either sugar or spice, the two cats that constitute the scamper beasts. You've named your cat sugar and spice. No, my daughter did. You're so. adorable. All right. And so, but the thing is, is so, and I, you know, uh, and I just said, Eventually, I was like, they were in danger of taking over my Twitter account. So I'm like, I'm going to give them their own separate account. Here's where it is. And immediately, they within like three, three hours, people. With that, within three hours, they had 2,000 followers. And that's been a year. So they have 9,400. And it's come really handy because I have um, detractors on the, on the Internet. 
Um, I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, the, Did you the, hear gasps, the gasps. Yeah, the gas. Oh my gosh! How could anyone not love Scalzi and his opinions on everything? <laughs> um, but the hold thing, forth. Yes. Well, I, as a straight white man, I have many opinions. <laughs> Let me tell you all of them, and they come from with a, from a certain amount of authority. Because as I said earlier, I am straight. And I'm you, white. You were born on and third. And I'm male. So congratulations. Thank you. I, right. I, I, of course, take credit for that. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is so um, my rule of thumb um, is when people try to troll me, particularly on Twitter, um, I will look at the number of followers that they have. And if they have fewer followers than my cats, ah. they're immediately muted. Because fuck you. <laughs> my cats have stupid. my cats have kicked your ass, right? You know, so it really, it really. Uh, How old are your cats now? They're they're now like uh, like they're one and a half years old, so they'll be around for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. These are these are just young cats. Yeah. So, these but are, that and and this is the magic of photography. The magic of photography and taking pictures of my cats has spared me ninety nine point nine percent of all trolling. Yay! Yay! Magic of photography. Well done. Yay! The magic. Whenever of I am trolled, I block people, and uh, and somebody said to me, "That's what they're looking for, man. They want to be blocked." And I, I was s- like, "Well, I want to block them, so we both win." Yeah, we've. <laughs> what do I care? Allow me to oblige you. I, <laughs> I, I think there's the there's the argument is the blocking or muting, um, and I tend to go for the muting rather yeah. than the blocking, uh, simply because I really enjoy the image of these jerks. Screaming at a wall. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like sometimes before I mute them, they'll say something obnoxious and I'll be like, you know, and I will respond in such a way that I know will get them furious. And so I will be, you know, I, I'll, my, my go-to step <laughs> is condescending. So I will write in parentheses, Pat's head. Oh, honey. <laughs> Why don't you go eat some more paste, right? Um, and then I immediately <laughs> mute because I know what comes next is 20, you know, and I just love the idea that like, I have showed him, I have showed him so hard and I'm going to call it to all my friends and they're going to see how well I totally riffed on this. Riffed. Yeah. And I, and, and, and meanwhile, I go through my life securing the knowledge that I will never, ever see that person <laughs> Ever again. Right. And meanwhile, they're still, still doing it. And I'm just, again, bless their hearts. Yeah. And every once in a while, I will do the thing where I'll, I will look at my account from a, uh, from an anonymous, you know, like, uh, uh, and just see literally piles of people screaming at me who I have <laughs> since muted. And I'm like, keep at it, honey. One day. Right. Right. They're just hamsters in a wheel. Yeah, no, to some it's, extent. That's yeah. exactly right. And and of course now Twitter is doing all the things where you can now like you know preemptively get them. Uh, and I think this is right and absolutely should. But on the other hand, part of me is like, oh, but now I don't have the special joy of you know <laughs> of muting you. You know, are you the youngest or the oldest? I am the youngest. You're the youngest. I am the youngest, and I'm a because my whole thing is, is uh, I can't judge up. I've never. I have four, five older siblings, uh-huh. and I can, you can't judge up. You can only wait. You can't boss up. You can only judge up. Oh, no, 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 no. I fucked up that joke. It's a good one. It's a great joke. Come back tomorrow. Yeah, no, that shit doesn't work uh, with me. No. I mean, uh, well, two things. I actually, uh, I'm the youngest, but by the time that, you know, as I was growing up, both my sister and my brother uh, were out of the house. So oh, okay. I get the I get the effect. I'm the youngest, but effectively I'm an only child. You get and, both, yeah. And, and I also went to boarding school, so I was outside of, uh, you know, outside of like the yeah, family yeah. dynamic. Hey, anyway. Harry Potter. Uh, All right. <laughs> You know the funny thing, <laughs> yeah. which is like I would I would be watching Harry Potter and I'd be like, "Yep, we did that." You know what I mean? Because we had we had houses. You know, I loved, my first year I lived in Reynolds' house. It was not as good as Hufflepuff or you know Slytherin or whatever, but it was a real you know. Right, right. It was it was split up into sort of groups. So of we had children to organize. Right, exactly, and 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 or like. Uh, like, you know, watching Scent of a Woman many years ago where they had, you know, they had chapel. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I got that. And uh, How about that Dead Poet Society? Was oh, that yeah, no, guess? exactly, because you had the teachers who were very much of, you know, today we're going to do, you know, this poetry. And some of your teachers, of course, were absolutely inspiring, and some of them were just like, mm-hmm. I'm at work. Yeah. Um, so all of that, you know, it's a very rarefied sort of field of, uh, uh, of education, but, uh, but yeah, so yeah, yeah. no, I, so, I, I, I felt, I felt very in tune, in tune with Hogwarts, so. That's interesting. And did you go to, um, 
Did you go to school? Did you go to boarding school from like junior high on? Like twelve? Well, no, it, was, or? it was high school, and uh, so and I went oh, to this it was high place, school. So like four years. Yeah, four, four years. years. So I went to this place that is called Web School of California, which is in Claremont, California, which I told you about. Right. Uh, and that was really interesting because uh, um, that I was a charity case there, right? Like. Like it was a place. Oh, you like scholarshipy sponsors. Yes, yeah. To give you context about this place, and I love, I love Web. It's it's a wonderful school, and I'm glad that I went, and it was just wonderful. Um, but it's a place where freshman biology has its own scanning, tunneling electron microscope, right? Where well. <laughs> uh, where it is the only high school in the country that has an accredited paleontological museum, right? And wait, no, it gets better. Because I just heard something. The hell of an education. It's really that's what you're telling me. Yeah, and so if the Hittites ever attack, we have a bronze foundry. So that's the kind of place. So that is a a dorky reference. So I I will look up later. So I will go. I will go to school. So I went to school there. You know where you know all all these all these rich kids, and then I would go home, literally live in a trailer park. So that was kind of a schism. Now I did photography to come back around. Yeah. At 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 Web, and one of the reasons why I'm so down on the whole developing like traditional film um, was because I worked on the yearbook. And I developed a whole bunch of pictures, uh, and they were great pictures. Uh, and then I forgot to put them in the stopper, which is the thing that's, yes, yeah, so that stops people uh, from the <laughs> film from developing. And so all these pictures were ruined. And I came into the, I came to the dark room the next day, and there was a sign up that said, Scalzi, you are not allowed to come in here anymore. And I was just like, ooh. <laughs> so, like I said, oh, yeah, so when, yeah. when digital cameras, uh, came on the scene, I was like, that will never happen to me again. Right, that'll burn for a long time. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, it is. It yeah. is really, really sad. Then I was, I was eventually forgiven, but it was just one of those things yeah. where you're just like, oh, I guess I screwed up. And that's, and again, that's the magic of digital photography. There are lots of, still lots of ways to screw up, but they're relatively speaking fewer. Right, right. They, they, it's one of the greatest things is, is I remember, Taking pictures and and having to choose which pictures to develop and right. which what piles of film and we're at a point where you can look at them all and just delete the hell out of well, dozens this, of them. This is the thing is that I that I learned because I do have friends who are professional photographers, you know, and their opinion of my photography is, yes, it's very nice, John. <laughs> oh, well done, you. And they're not being they're not being sarcastic, okay. but it's the same reason. Like you know, it's like uh, a friend of mine who doesn't write novels or stuff like that. It's like, well, you look at my work and then you will look at it and it's like, this is pretty good for someone who actually doesn't string words together for a living. And you're not being condescending. It's just like, this is the level that you're at. And in that level, in this range, you're doing very well. Yeah, keep working. Yeah, yeah. might as well keep working on it. So I, I mean... If you love it, keep going. Right. And so like when they say, yeah, you're doing fine, I'd be like, cool. <laughs> they didn't right. say I sucked. <laughs> exactly. Um, but um, that'll do. That will. That'll do. Pig. Yeah. That will do. Um, but uh, the thing that uh, I've completely lost my train of thought. What was I saying before I started with this? Uh, there was something about. Oh no! Oh, one of the secrets that I learned was part of the secret of being a pro photographer and why all their pictures look so great is because that's one picture and there's forty pictures on either side. Right. Ah. And so they pick the one picture that looks really good. And when you were a professional photographer and you were working in film, um, part of it was uh, hopefully you had the budget to burn through all the film that you would need to do to get that one photo. Now in digital, like I have I have photo archive, like every every picture I take uh, with the DLSR is now is is stored on an archive. So I literally and my uh, DLSR. Um, can take uh, on the on the card the 64 gigabyte card that is on it can take uh, 1,100 photos. Out of those 1,100 photos that I that I take, I will eventually end up posting right somewhere between 50 and 80 of them, and the rest oh. of them are just this little out of focus or someone's mouth is open. Like I have tons of photos of my beautiful, gorgeous, just gobstoppingly attractive wife like this, right? Because people, it, just when you talk, you know, your, your, your face does funny things. Um, and, uh, and so all of those pictures never get seen, but they get archived. And so I know the ratio of photos I take. Why do you archive them? 
I are tagging them because at some point or another, I'm uh, I may want to go back to the raw file. Yeah, uh, and there may also be there are sometimes where I've gone through the file, uh, the pictures, and there will be one that I didn't choose that right. I would decide that I want to use for something else. Okay, or may uh, I suppose you could also learn how to do a new process that you could then apply to a picture that you hadn't yet processed. Exactly, something uh, ex- like that maybe. Yeah, or okay. like a picture that I did did it. I posted it in color, uh, and I decide later on oh, I want to do that in black and white. Uh, oh, okay. And I go back and I find it and I find out that that particular picture is not actually going to look as good in black and white as the photo Next on to it. Right. Or exactly. Whatever. So and, and, and digital storage is is ridiculously cheap. You can get a four uh, terabyte high drive now for less than two hundred dollars. So there's no reason to throw away anything unless you don't want to. But again, the thing is, is uh, bluntly speaking, um Part of the reason that my fo- to the photos to the extent that they look good at all is not that I take great photos. Um, it's that I take a lot of photos. Some of them end up looking good, and I have a curatorial eye that allows me to pick the one that goes, "Yeah, that's the one that will that I want to work with." Do you have uh, photographers that you follow? Have you have you learned? Have you have you learned names of people that you're like? Oh, I like what that person's doing. Well, yeah, you know, you have the, the, you know, a lot of the uh, a lot of the classic photographers uh, among contemporary photographers right now. Uh, one that I, I look at a lot um, because I know him as a person, but also because I think he takes interesting photos uh, is a guy named Kyle Cassidy. Um, and for those of you, the, oh, there you go. The one person applauding, very <laughs> well done. But Kyle Cassidy um, takes a lot of photos of nerds. Um, so like one of his photo collections is, uh, pictures that he took at Worldcon. Um, and so he has a lot of, uh, okay. pictures that he has a book coming out in May, um, uh, that is about librarians. And I have an essay in that. What? Um, yeah, it's a, that's awesome. Yeah. He takes pictures of librarians. Right. Because he wants, he wanted the part of what They're he wanted a rare to do. Breed. Yeah. What he wanted to do is he wanted to show the, the cross section and, and the width and breadth of what it means to be a librarian in the 21st century today, right? Because it's not just, you know, the shh, school marmy uh, sort of look. I mean, um, if, if you've ever gone to ALA, which is the American Library Association meetings and stuff like that, you see all these librarians with full sleeve tattoos, and, you know, along with their, you know, uh, cat's eye glasses. And and these people are, are hardcore, no bullshit, you know, don't you dare try to... Uh, censor us, don't you dare try to shut us down. We are the heart of our fucking community people. Um, and so he went and he took pictures of, of these folks, uh, you know, uh, to say, uh, these aren't your grandfather's librarians. Right, right. Um, Even though they do know the Dewey Decimal System they do to know. this day. Do you, do you have a favorite Dewey Decimal number? Cause I do. Nine hundreds? Nine hundreds? Yeah. But specify. Oh, like nine sixty or something? Yeah. I used to know what that was. I have two. It's over. What uh, are they? I have two. It's zero three one, which uh, is trivia. Thank you. Yeah, uh, that and, is trivial. And, and five uh, five twenty, which is astronomy. So oh, there you go. But anyway, to get back to Kyle, so he yeah. is um, uh, he's he's a very good photographer. He does a very a lot of varied thing. He does a lot of portraiture. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite pictures of me he did, uh, which is me covered in buttercream frosting. On Neil Gaiman's lawn. Well, now you're just bragging. <laughs> context. 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 Uh, so what happened? Yeah, yeah context, so, please. Yeah, so That's what happened was uh, at, at a point where I was about to get 30,000 Twitter followers, I made a joke. I was like at 20, 28,000 or something, and I made the joke of, well, when I get to 30,000 uh, to celebrate, I'm going to strip naked and slather myself in buttercream frosting. You know, like you do. Sure. So Neil fucking Gaiman. How did that come into it? <laughs> who who knows me? Who's a friend of mine? Right. But, but Neil fucking Gaiman retweets this thing, and all of a sudden, my follows just go through the roof. Oh, that's hilarious! And so my response to him was, Neil, you bastard! If this is, you know, if you are the cause of me hitting thirty thousand, I'm doing it on your lawn, which was his. Cue to go. Well, no, John. Let's not. Let's I'm not, not be hasty. I'm not giving you my address. Um, in but to which, but to which his response was in public, that would be lovely. 
<laughs> and then his assistant at the time, uh, Lorraine, was like, and you know, I'm part of a roller derby team, so I have all these roller derby girls who would be more than happy to slather you down. And then oh Kyle kicks in and says, and of course, I will photo document this, this is because this has to happen. So... And so, who were the culinary students who made buttercream frosting to cover you? Here's the thing is, is I made this joke just before I had, went off on tour, on a book tour, right? And so people would show up at my, <laughs> at my events with cans of Betty Crocker <laughs> frosting. Oh, and then one sweet. guy, and one guy shows up with like a two quart tub of homemade buttercream frosting. I'm like, I am on tour. <laughs> what do you want me to do with this? <laughs> and he looked at me and he says, practice. <laughs> John Scalzi, we got to close it at that. Right. Uh, it's been an hour. I know you have another thing that yes. you're doing. You guys, thank you so much for supporting a live dork for us. Here we are on the Joko Cruise with John Scalzi at Scalzi.com at, at Scalzi. And if you go to Flickr and put in the word Scalzi Flickr, you will find John Scalzi's uh, Flickr page. Uh, and take care of yourselves out there and take care of each other. Goodbye. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?